when we come back, uh, Madame Zingara is on the cards, and we talk to Olivia van der Hieve, who's the marketing and PR for Madame Zingara after this. Otherwise, on SAFM. Welcome to you, Olivia. Hello. A compliment of the season. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. And you? Good, thank you. Very well, thanks. Listen, you must be tired or you guys, and I don't know if you guys ever get tired of Madame Zingara, but is the After Forever tour still on or is it just ended? It's just ended. It's actually a very time for Madame Zingara. We're just in the process of packing up the last bits of the, um, of the Theatre of Dreams at Monte Casino. And we're just on the road on the way to Durban now. So it's been a really uh, amazing year for Madame Zingara. We've spent the whole year in Joburg. Um, and it's just been an incredible response. And we're quite sad to be leaving, but we're also very excited to be moving on to the next part of the journey, which is happening soon. Well, I love the idea of just packing up and moving, but it can't be the easiest thing with that huge, monstrous, uh, what do you call it, the Spiegel Palace? Yes, the Spiegel Palace. Her name is Victoria. Um, no, it's definitely not an easy process, but we have been doing it for years, so it's, got, it's gotten to the point that we have tried to streamline it. Mm. But believe it or not, it all fits into about uh, 15 containers, uh, which get shipped over to the next part of the city. So as you can imagine, this is the reason that we, we can't move around to every part of the country. Um, and yeah, and then it takes about, takes about three days to break it, break it all down and pack it all up. And then it takes about five days to assemble it again in the next place. And then obviously there's all the finishing touches that come with that and uh, a little bit of a new theme for each city of the And I don't want you to move around there as you talk to me because I think I'm, I'm, I'm losing part of your conversation. Uh, so please find a, a comfortable space. But, but Olivia, you know, the, uh, we were very sad in Cape Town when, when uh, Richard Griffin had that accident, I think, when, when Madame Zingara um, burned down. But it, 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 um, it has had a positive, positive um, uh, life after that. But just take us back to, you know, the, the recovery of it and um, how you got Victoria uh, involved. Well, basically, yeah, we, we, when the fire did happen, it was obviously a huge tragedy. Madame Zungara, the restaurant on Loop Street was, I mean, it was a, a complete institution. Mm. Uh, we had an amazing following of, of locals and, you know, it was all, it's all, it's all started out as a family run thing. So even though we're not blood family, the Madame Zungara family is always sort of themselves as a unit. So it was devastating for when, when it burned down. Mm. Um, but then basically what happened after that is we put all our energy into Victoria. And uh, Victoria is a hundred-year-old mirror tent, which uh, is, is from Belgium. And we, we actually found, uh, Richard found the tent in, in Ireland and, and decided to bring it over to Africa. And uh, then it basically from there, it's, it's, it's all history. We, we launched the first, the first tour. Um, and then we, uh, yeah, and we toured around for, uh, we went from first to be launched in Cape Town at the foreshore. And then we continued on to Johannesburg and Durban and then back again to Cape Town. And then we decided to venture off into London. So that was the next step. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, the circumstances in London didn't quite go according to plan. Mm. We uh, launched basically 
exactly the same time as the recession began uh, was mm. when we arrived and uh, there just wasn't the, the right sort of market for it and we just found that um, didn't really work there so I'm so glad it didn't all. I'm so glad it didn't because then we get to keep you right <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we've learned now that our home is in Africa, and we and we and we don't want to be anywhere else. So we, unfortunately, it it actually basically almost destroyed the company completely. We came mm. back, um, you know, we came back from London and had to start all over again. And it took a few months before Richard managed to gather some people together because everyone was so united. No one else really knew what to do once once the, the, the there was a mm. failure from London. So. They all banded together and started up the Bombay Bicycle Club, which was um, basically a, a different kind of version of the old man's Zangara restaurant, taking um, elements of the hedonistic past and fun elements of it, but then also breathe, breathing new life into it. And for some reason, it, it just worked, and people began to love it. And then after that, we just, we started to grow again. And the next step was the Sidewalk Cafe, which is our, our little eatery in Frederick. Mm-hmm. A completely different vibe, which is much more chilled out and also um, elements of the past and looking into the future as well. Now, tell me. kind of idea. And then after that, we relaunched Victoria at, in Cape Town. And after, it was called the Love Magic Tour. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and that was a huge success again. So it was really great. It, it, we started back at the bottom and, and managed to scrape our way to, to the top to the point that uh, where we are now is with, uh, we just opened our sixth restaurant in Cape Town. Wow. So it wow. really has grown. So you're back in your own skin, as it were, huh? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We're very excited to. Um, this is going to be, our Durban's going to be fantastic. And we, yeah, we, everything is just flowing fantastically. Uh, we have a. Obviously, our, all our restaurants in Cape Town with their own individual feeling, their own individual following, and we, we're really grateful to, to be able to um, have the success that we have had. Now, tell me, um, and, and the reason why I'm, I'm so intrigued by, by, by Madame Zingara is this, is this Victoria. I mean, just give us a bit of a history. You said, yeah, found an island, but, and I'm, I want to believe that he's one of a very few in the world. Yes, that's, that's very true. Uh, it's one of the oldest uh, Spiegel Palaces in the world. And, and Spiegel, Spiegel Palace means... Uh, mi- mirror tent. Mirror tent, okay. Yeah, well, Mirror Palace. Okay. Um, and they, they originated as dance halls, traveling dance halls. Mm-hmm. So it used to get packed up and moved along and people would come and, and there'd, be a, a, there'd be a dance. And the idea behind the mirrors is that you could spot someone that you fancy without directly <laughs> looking at them in the eye. So from standing, dancing around, you could, you could see a lot more than you could just see with, without the mirror. So you could see someone behind you, and it was a sort of way of, of spotting someone that would become your suitor. So mm-hmm. it was quite a fun sort of element um, to the whole, the whole event. Um, and that's why the mirrors are there. And we've managed to, luckily, obviously, the, the, there's some elements that we've had to replace, mm-hmm. um, but we've, there's original features that we've restored, um, the chandeliers, the mirrors, the mosaics. It really is, if you haven't ever been before, it's really something to behold. Uh, and it, I think it's what, what makes Manzangara quite special is to be able to be using one of these. And uh, there are only a few that are still in the use in the world. Now, you almost run around like a circus, I think, because you employ so many people and they come from different parts of the world. How do you keep that, the standard the same with all these acts that are like Mongolian princesses and Russian acrobats? I mean, how do you do your interviews in order for the acts or do they just understand the concept and come ready packed for it? 
Well, we source acts from all over the world via, I mean, obviously the usual channels. I mean, unsurprisingly, uh, there's agents, so there's also, you know, just YouTube. And we look for something that we've we've either seen before and we try and find someone that would work for the, for the act that we're looking for. So if we feel like we need a, an, an, a strength act or an aerial act, we'll, we'll look online and find something that's... I mean, there are so many amazing talents out there, and mm -hmm. we'll, we'll find it. And usually they already have an act that they have... Um, created which is what makes them special mm -hmm. but what we'll do is uh, we'll obviously try and find out if they're available and bring them over and then just madams and garify it a little bit so we'll either we'll, we'll always change the music and we'll adjust it a little bit change it put them in new costumes mm -hmm. um and obviously they i mean they are incredibly hard working in order to be a performer of that standard you have to practice literally hours hours every day so it's not that uh, we need to really do much in terms of their discipline they're they obviously already come with the discipline. Yes. I mean, of course, there is obviously the sometimes the language barrier. Mm -hmm. uh, it hasn't always been terrible, but there has been, well, not, not that it would be terrible, but <laughs> we have had to have people who come over with their translator. Um, but a lot of the time, it's also a benefit for, for people coming, for some of the performers come here that they do learn English and they do see a part of the world they probably never would have thought they would have seen. Um, I'm talking specifically about when we did have the Mongolian princesses, as you say. Mm -hmm. they, uh, they, yeah, they came here not being able to speak a word of English and they one of them ended up dating one of the other performers. And, oh. <laughs> there's lots of romances that do, that do blossom between unlikely matches. So it's quite a, it's a eclectic mix of people and it makes it extremely colorful and and do you fun. do you accept people f who walk up to you for you know to wanting to perform who approach you to want to perform and and I want to know how much of uh, South African contingent because we always make um, um, we get excited when we hear of Mongolian princesses and Russian acrobats but what South African are we giving? Oh no, we we have quite a few South African performers. Mm -hmm. um, the acrobats Christine is, is one of them. She's extremely talented. She's been with us since the very beginning, and she's the most versatile acrobat, um, one of the most versatile acrobats. And then again, there's Sam, who's also extremely talented, beautiful girls who are just, yeah, they just get stronger and stronger as the years go by, mm -hmm. and they are amazing South African elements. And then um, there is, of course, the specifics, who are the songstresses who make the evening uh, you know, a little bit different from a circus. That, that's what our main difference is. We are entertainers and they sing old classics and get everyone dancing. And they were handpicked by, by Richard. We, we held auditions. Mm. It was, almost, it was just over about a year and a half ago that we, we formed the group and we auditioned girls from all over South Africa. Mm -hmm. And we managed to, to pick these four extremely talented women who have bonded together and become an entity of their own. So very much promoting South African artistry. Um, so and, uh, yeah, so it's definitely not, uh, not everything is we, we equally like local and international acts, but of course it is fun to have, I think it's good to have the mix of both because uh, it makes it a little bit more, a little bit more interesting. So when do you open in Durban? We are opening in Durban on the 22nd of January, which is very exciting. It's, it's very soon. And luckily now, after working, after running 
uh, I think it was something like 50 days straight over the festive season mm. where uh, all the performers and all the waiters and staff are, are quite happy to be having a nice break now. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and everyone's hard at work at moving the, and moving the, the theatre over to Durban. So it's going to be really exciting. It's, we're once again going to be at Suncoast Casino. Okay. And... Um, we are, we are, we've got a lot in store that Durban hasn't seen. There's some new acts, uh, such as one of them is called the Russian Bar, which is performed by three people. It's, it's a person who can just basically does backflips and lands on a, on a two-inch wide beam, yeah. which is just something out wow. of the world you, you won't be able to not gasp when you see it. Um, then we also have Akirian foot jugglers who are just basically ju- ju- are human jugglers and manage to flip each other around just for its own strength of their body. Uh, <laughs> and another interesting act is that it's a German uh, a German couple who are, they do a, a strength act between them, a, a female and a male. But what's different about it is that the lady is the one who lifts the man. So wow. It's a little bit different, something that you probably wouldn't have seen. <laughs> and then, um, of course, there's uh, Hot Mr. C and uh, the Absent Fairy, who will keep you in stitches the whole time. They're fantastic comedians. So it really is something to uh, entertain everybody. And our menu this year as well uh, is also going to be something, a lot of, a few more choices on the menu for, for in Durban. Um, delicious gourmet delights, as usual. And, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Durban is one of our favorite cities to be in. Our staff absolutely love being there. Um, they like, it's, it's just such a great community. And we're, we're happy that we are going to be allowed to stay there for two months. Well, I think that I'll let you now relax until the 22nd and spend some time with your children. I can hear wonderful voices in, in, uh, in the I'm background. I'm actually at one of the, I'm actually at Cafe Paradiso and they are. Oh, um, okay. The hotel restaurant, which is very no, much child friendly. Um, but, but that's how it should be. That's how it should be. Every restaurant should be child friendly, I yeah. think. Listen, <laughs> yeah, give us, give us the, uh, the list. You said you've got the sidewalk. You, your restaurants are growing around the city of Cape Town. So give yes. us some. So Cafe Paradiso? Uh, yes. So we've got Cafe Paradiso. Uh, that was the third one to open. Mm-hmm. And then we also have our little uh, tea, coffee coffee shop, uh, Cafe Mozart in the Antiques Market mm-hmm. in, uh, in Cape Town, which is also a lovely little place to be. Um, then we also have our, um, obviously, of course, I said the Bombay Bicycle Club. The what? Uh, we've also recently, well, last year, it's a year old now, is Cafe Manhattan, which is in Devartikant. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, did you take that a, over? Pardon? I said, did you take that over? Yes, yeah, we did, last year, December. Mm-hmm. So that's really great, and it's actually been fantastic. We've had a fantastic response to it. It's a really fun place to go and have um, southern-style food and a bit of fun. And, you know, there's a pole dance, a pole if you feel like dancing on the bar, and it's, it's a good fun, <laughs> it's a good night and, and, and day out. And we've most excitingly just opened our newest restaurant in the company's garden. Uh, ah. The company's garden tea room, which has just been absolutely incredible. We've had an overwhelming response and there's, uh, we've had queues of people every single day. We've been so lucky. Um, of course, I'm sure it was a lot to do with the fact that we ended up opening the beginning of the season and pretty much the 1st of December. And since then, it's just been, I mean, it's obviously been challenging uh, dealing with the crowds and dealing with the responses. And, you know, it, because the gardens, people have such a, um, it's a part of the city, you know. We, mm. we don't own it, the, mm. the city owns it, mm. and the people in the city own it. And, of course, they're, 
you know, they're protective about what they what they like, and we, we're trying to please everybody. And so far, I think it's going. I think it's going okay. And uh, there was a thing about the name. Um, what name did did you finally call it? It's called the Company's Garden Restaurant. We decided okay. to stick to Company's where it Garden. is, and it's of course quite self-explanatory, so no one will wonder where it is. Uh, yeah, we just decided that if it was the name was causing any kind of controversy, mm, and we just mm. didn't want to get involved in any kind of thing like that. It was mm. The last thing we wanted. Wanted. So we decided to just give people what they asked for and change the name. Well, it's, I must say it's wonderful to be able to go to Companies Garden and, and, and even though there was a, a little restaurant there, but I think, you know, it's just breathed new life into the Companies Garden. So well done to you guys. Yeah, I, it's so fantastic to be able to go back into the gardens. Lots of people haven't been there for years and mm. they're starting to enjoy them again. So it's been, it's been great. Olivia, thank you so much for your time. No problem. And we hope to talk to you again uh, during the year when all those exciting things happen to the Madame Zangara brand. Yes. And enjoy it thoroughly. And I hope uh, you don't spend too much time on insurance because when you describe, uh, too much money rather on insurance, because when you describe what happens to the kind of performances that are there, I can imagine how much money it costs to, to <laughs> for medical expenses. Well, it's all part of it, I suppose, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> all right. Take care. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. That's Olivia van der Heerwe, marketing and PR uh, manager for the Madame Zingara brand. Lots of beautiful restaurants as well. Otherwise, on SAFM. I wanted to know everything about champagne, it's drinking, the the bottling and all of that. And I thought uh, Linda Basson, who is the winemaker, JC LaRue, uh, would be the best person to talk to. And Linda, welcome to Otherwise. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure joining you guys this morning. How many have you popped since <laughs> December? <laughs> I've stopped counting. That's, um, yeah, that, that ruins the whole surprise. Now I've stopped counting how much we've done during the festive season, but it's been a lot. It's been a lot, eh? Listen, I, you know, I know we cannot use the word champagne. Yes. Can you explain? Because I, I've, I've tried explaining, but I don't think I do too well in explaining, except for the French won't let us. Well, it, it, it's actually quite straightforward. It can only be called champagne if it comes from the province of Champagne in France. Okay. Okay. If it's from anywhere outside of that province, even if it's French. And if it's from anywhere uh, in the rest of the world, it cannot be, it's not allowed to call it champagne. That's why South Africa has um, termed its own word for exactly the same process of bubbly making. And we call it MCC or Method Cup Classique in South Africa. Method Cup Classique, is that yes. what it is? That is it. Because, you know, some people have just ended up calling it sparkling wine. But Absolutely. There, there is a Absolutely. difference, though. Is there, it? there is a, a significant difference. Sparkling wine could be many different methods of making sparkling wine. Mm -hmm. But Champagne and Cup Classique refers to the traditional method where... The bottle ferments and it produces its own bubbles in that bottle. Just, just now that you're talking about bottling and fermenting, can you just walk us through the making of, of the Cup Classic? Sure. Um, in principle, you do a first alcoholic fermentation as you do similar to ma the making of still wines. Mm -hmm. So you've got sweet grape juice, you add yeast, 
and the yeast consumes all the sugar in the grape juice and converts that in, into alcohol. Mm-hmm. And when all the sugar is converted and the f- fermentation is finished, you've got your basic wine. Then with Cup Classique and with Champagne, we take that base wine and we add sugar and yeast for a second time. We put it in the bottle, we seal it, mm-hmm. and the yeast consumes sugar in the bottle and converts it into additional alcohol. And one of the most important byproducts of fermentation is carbon dioxide gas. So during that second fermentation in the bottle, the bottle of wine produces its own gas, which equals to about six bar of pressure in the bottle. And in other words, that bottle of bubbly made its own bubbles. And that's what's so unique about Cap Classique and Champagne. Sounds amazing. But how long does this process take? Well, in in principle, the fermentation is, is measured over six to eight weeks, mm-hmm. but then part of the whole process of making Cup Classique is then aging that wine on those dead yeast cells, which we call lease afterwards. And that period of time where the wine matures and ages on the lease is what gives it its very significant characteristic taste and flavor profile. So. It, it depends on the winemaking and on the style of bubbly, but it could be anything from 18 months to 10 years. Ah, so it keeps that long. Absolutely. Because of that lease, it's, it's very similar to a wooded Chardonnay that mm-hmm. also stays in, uh, in the barrel on its lease. Mm-hmm. That lease really protects the wine, and because the, the bottle is, is tightly sealed, there's very, very little exchange of oxygen. So the aging process is very, very slow and the wine is beautifully protected while it's on its lease. Do I, do I take it then that there's more alcohol content in the Cap Classique than on a normal bottle of wine? Or does it vary on how much sugar and yeast you've added after it was with wine? It, it does, but normally we add a, a very specific amount of sugar for the second fermentation in the bottle mm-hmm. because the, the amount of sugar equals the amount of bubbles. So we normally add 24 grams of sugar to equal six bar pressure. But what we do to make sure that bubbly doesn't end up with too much alcohol mm-hmm. is we harvest the grapes a little earlier than normal. Okay. So... Uh, we've got a little bit of rain, but it does look like we're going to have a very early harvesting season. So I'm gearing myself for even the end of this week, we could start harvesting. Oh, wow. So we harvest our grapes a little earlier, which makes that we don't start off with that much grape sugar as with normal still wine, normal Sauvignon Blanc, normal Chardonnay. So when we're done with the first alcoholic fermentation, our alcohol's a little lower than a normal wine. How do you get the different colors then? Different colors depends. There, there are um, a, a certain set of rules of how we make rosé. Um, and how we make red sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. But the principle behind it is that for red wine and even red bubbly, you need a little bit of skin contact with red grapes okay. because the color mm-hmm. is in the red grape's 
skin itself, not the juice inside. So to get a little bit of color extraction, we need a little bit of fermentation on the skins of the red grape varieties. Or, as in the case of French Champagne, they use a little bit of red wine and blend that with the white base wine of the Champagnes to make rosé. Hmm. Very interesting. Now let's get to the art of drinking it because yes. <laughs> I, I, I really, I've, I've never been one for rules and, or I break them if I can. But I just thought it would be nice to know and understand when we do do the toasting of whatever we're toasting for, to know how to open, how to, how, how to pour and, and what, at what temperature and what glasses Absolutely. and what glasses we use. So t- talk us through it, Linda. Yeah, I think I think there is there is a little bit of etiquette involved when serving sparkling wine, and we want to know the basics behind it because um, you know there's there's always a little bit of a ritual, there's always a little bit of pompous when we serve our sparkling, mm-hmm. normally at the beginning of an event, um, and and we want that to be successful because that's normally the start of a really successful party. Mm-hmm. So um, I think. What's really important is, first thing, it needs to be really nice and chilled. Um, We always talk about 8 to 10 degrees Celsius when we're serving sparkling wine, Mm -hmm. because there's nothing worse than warm bubbly. Of course. Um, Then if if we look at uh, serving, uh, obviously, if you have available, it looks beautiful in lovely flute glasses whether they're pure crystal or just a lovely tall bubbly glass that really displays your bubbles because that's the pretty thing about sparkling you want your guests to um, really appreciate those beautiful bubbles in the in the glass so make sure that when you use sparkling wine glasses that they are nice and dry and really clean on the inside because a little bit of uh, leftover um, washing liquid mm. immediately kills all the bubbles. Mm. So then your bubbles don't display. Even if you have nice gas in your sparkling wine, it's not going to display nicely because you've got that little bit of re- soapy residue on the inside of the glasses. Mm. So very important. Our flutes need to be really nice and clean on the inside. So when you open it, is it, is it just a ritual or tradition for, to let some bubbles spill or it, you, one can never control it? Sometimes they spill, sometimes they don't. Or yeah. What's the etiquette there? Yeah. Once again, if, the, if your, your, your bottle's not at the correct temperature, if it's a little too warm, it, it tends to really gush. So that's, that's quite nasty. We don't want that. Um, I know that it's a wonderful sound when that that big uh, cork pops but in fact etiquette is actually that it only makes a very soft pop oh, so okay. uh, you're supposed to hold it at the bottom at the thick bottom of the bottle with one hand and then hold cork tightly with the other and just softly give your bottle uh, two or three twists and have the cork just make a soft poof noise and please no gushing because that's that's sparkling wine uh, wasted on the floor (laughs) 
so, I can hear um, your passion. You, you almost, I, I, I know you, we all you, really love the sound of that cork popping, but in actual fact, it needs to just be a soft poof sound. <laughs> oh no! I, I can hear it in your voice. I mean, you, you almost like talking about a little baby of yours. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> There's a little bit of art, but it's quite fun to practice it, and it needs to just release this small cloud of gas without too much of a noise. And now your glass. Um, yes. You hold it at the stem, or do you just hold your glass the way you usually do? Yes, with with the glass and the glass on the table and serving. There's also a little bit of etiquette involved. Mm -hmm. um, the sparkling wine glass, or the flute preferably, is actually, according to etiquette, the only glass that you're allowed to take off the table, hold in your one hand with a slight... Um, tilt. tilt to one side and then softly pour along the side of the glass so you preserve as much of your bubbles as possible and once you've finished serving uh, serving about three quarters of a glass, not all the way to the rim, that's not, mm -hmm. that's not preferred, mm -hmm. doesn't look nice either after serving you're allowed to put it down next to your guest at the table. And when I pick it up then, I pick it up by the stem? By the stem, yes, because we want to keep that bubbles nice and cold for as long as possible. So hang on to your stem. Looks pretty as well. Preferably with my little fingers stuck out. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the company you're holding, yes. When we come back, I, I need you to stay on the line for me because Matrix are, are, are finishing tomorrow. Some of them are getting their results tomorrow. And I want to share just you studying viticulture and, and who should go there and what it requires uh, so that we may even encourage some of our matriculants who are still not too sure what they want to study. So I'd like us uh, to talk to you about that, Linda. So please do stay on the line for us. No problem. Thank you so much. Otherwise, on SAFM. Thanks to Natalie. My guest is uh, Lunda Basson, who is a winemaker at JC LaRue. Uh, Lunda, thank you for staying on the line for us, with That's us. Um, please tell me about your studies. What, what does one have to have? And, and viticulture, has it got anything to, to do with agriculture? Because a lot of people think you study agriculture uh, first before you even uh, study viticulture. Are they yeah. one and the same thing? Yeah. Well, it, it depends on where you decide to, uh, to complete your studies. At the moment in South Africa, you've got the option to either do a, a four-year degree at the University of Stellenbosch, mm -hmm. where, in fact, you do start with 12 months of, of general agriculture, mm -hmm. um, and then you specialize into your, your main subjects afterwards. Or you could do a, a diploma, in agriculture at the um, at uh, Alsenburg Agricultural College just outside of Stellenbosch mm -hmm. where where you start with six months of general agriculture and then you specialize in your main subjects but for winemaking main subjects would be uh, definitely your enology winemaking and then uh, also obviously your studies of the vineyards Wow, and how long does it take? What does one have to have from matric, this kind of subject? In oh, well, I, I finished my studies quite a few <laughs> years ago, but you, you would need your, your, your general biology and, uh, and math, uh, definitely. Definitely as, as math. Subjects. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good career, you say? 
Oh, absolutely. For me, there really was never any other options because I, I love the outdoors. I love plants and animals, and I, I just always knew that I wanted to go into agriculture. And when I started studying at Stellenbosch University, I just knew that the Western Cape was the place that I wanted to practice agriculture. And, of course, wine is the, the main industry, so mm, that mm. was an easy decision for me. So sparkling wine or Cap Classique? Sparkling wine or Cap Classique, mm. are you asking me which one? Yes. Or? yes. Um, I, I, I wanted to say at the beginning of the interview, I wanted to say that it's, it's actually very important that when we decide what we're going to buy for our party or our breakfast or brunch or whatever function that we want to serve our bubbly at, it's really important that we try and take into account what we think our guests or our friends and family would enjoy because there are so many styles available out there that we need to really just take a moment and and decide on which style we think our friends would enjoy most. Um, Cup classiques and champagnes are obviously uh, brute styled most of the time Mm. or the sweetest you could get is an, an off dry. Um, but sparkling wines in general come in many different shapes and sizes and colors and, and sugar levels. So it's important um, to realize that when we're younger, we start drinking wine and especially sparkling wine with a slightly sweeter palate. And it's only really over time as we gain a little experience in what all the different styles of wine and sparkling wine out there that our palate changes to something a little more off-dry and towards uh, the later stages of wine appreciation and understanding, we really start enjoying drier styles of wine and sparkling wine um, and cup classiques. So I think that's important to keep in mind. And under us girls like our, our champagne or, or, or Cap Classique, but what does it do to the waste? Does it add more? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think what's really important is that we need to understand that the alcohol percentage in whatever it is that we drink mm. is the biggest contributor to ah, calories. Okay. So that's the easiest. When we look at the back label, we need to understand that three volume percent alcohol is going to be less of an uh, effect on the waste than a red wine of 13 volume percent. Well, we love you so much for that. Thank you so much for talking to us and keep making those uh, wines for, for us to enjoy. Absolute pleasure and thank you so much for the privilege to chatting to you and, and your listeners today and may I wish you all a wonderful 2015 and keep on enjoying the sparkling wine and the cup classiques of South Africa. Thank you. Take care, Linda Basson. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. JC LaRue, winemaker. It's an interesting, interesting career to have.